Good morning, New City. We are so glad that you're here. And if you're new with us today, welcome. Thank you for joining us. We know that God has a message for you today. And I can tell that it's summer's here because it's been beautiful, but very hot here in Charlotte. And one of the ways that we kick off the summer here at New City is Orange Sunday. That's right. One of our goals here at New City is to partner with parents to help raise the next generation of Christ followers. And as a parent myself of two young kids, a seven-year-old and a five-year-old, this is huge for Lindsay and me. We love being a part of a church that looks to engage our kids with the gospel, but also one that seeks to equip us as parents. And Orange Day is a day to celebrate just that, especially as we wrap up a challenging year for both parents and kids. So come prepared next week to celebrate Orange Day with us, no matter where you are. And if you're local to the Charlotte area, check out one of our physical locations for some fun activities that day. It is gonna be a great day. And we pause at each of our worship services to acknowledge the receiving of tithes and offerings. And we do that not only because giving is a part of our worship, but also because it's one of the ways that we partner in what God is doing in our world. God invites us to partner with Him, and giving is part of that partnership. If you want to give today, you can do so at our website, newcity.us give, or by texting the word NEWCITYONL to the number 77977. It's great to be together. Now let's worship.
Jesus told. It comes from Matthew chapter 18 verses 23 through 35. Therefore the kingdom of heaven can be compared to a king who decided to bring his accounts up to date with servants who had borrowed money from him. 
In the process, one of his debtors was brought in who owed him millions of dollars. He couldn't pay, so his master ordered that he be sold, along with his wife, his children, and everything he owned, to pay the debt. But the man fell down before his master and begged him, Please be patient with me, and I will pay it all. Then his master was filled with pity for him, and he released him and forgave his debt. But when the man left the king, he went to a fellow servant who owed him a few thousand dollars. He grabbed him by the throat and demanded instant payment. His fellow servant fell down before him and begged for a little more time. Be patient with me and I will pay it, he pleaded. But his creditor wouldn't wait. He had the man arrested and put in prison until the debt could be paid in full. When some of the other servants saw this, they were very upset. They went to the king and told him everything that had happened. Then the king called in the man he had forgiven and said, You evil servant, I forgave you that tremendous debt because you pleaded with me. Shouldn't you have mercy on your fellow servant, just as I had mercy on you? Then the angry king sent the man to prison to be tortured until he had paid his entire debt. That's what my heavenly father will do to you if you refuse to forgive your brothers and sisters from your heart. Hey, well, welcome to New City. My name is Travis. I'm one of the pastors here, and it's always so fun for me to be here as we get to continue worshiping and opening God's Word together and hearing about what He wants to teach us today. And if you've been with us, we've been in the middle of this series called The Stories That Jesus Told, where we're looking at these special little things called parables, these short stories that Jesus gives us that are just packed with so much wonderful truth and content about the character of God and ultimately what he has laid out for us. And parables are really interesting because Jesus loved to speak in parables. In fact, Jesus spoke in a lot of different ways. He was a brilliant communicator, the best there ever was, in fact. And yet his favorite style of teaching, the the, the style that he did more than anything, was through these things called parables. And of course, it's for our benefit that he did that. And so uh, we've got another wonderful parable today that I want to look at, one that I think we all need to hear, one that I need to hear on a constant basis. You're going to see that this parable today is really convicting, but it's also really encouraging. And we'll talk about why that is here soon enough. But before we do that, I wanted to take a moment today and recognize a very special holiday that we celebrate in our nation this weekend, and that is, of course, Memorial Day. You know, I I think if you're like me, it's easy sometimes to kind of quickly move past Memorial Day. It often just becomes that day off, and yet Memorial Day represents something really special for us as we remember the countless number of lives that men and women in this country, or the the countless number of of lives that have been lost by men and women in this country as they've served our country and the protection of it. And so we wanted to take a a moment today and just recognize that. We, We realize that maybe many of you watching today have perhaps lost family or friends in the service of this country. Many of you may in fact be current military and we wanna express our deepest gratitude to you. Thank you for what you do in service of this country. But I I wanted to take a moment and open up with a word of prayer and, and ask God to bless the many families and friends that have been affected by those who have, have given their lives for the service of this country. So would you join me this morning as we, as we open up with a word of prayer and ask God to, to join us in this time here. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you for bringing us together on this Memorial Day weekend to acknowledge the debt that we owe to the men and women of the United States military who have guarded this country with their lives. We especially honor those who have lost their lives while defending this nation. 
They fought on land, at sea, in the air, always understanding that they may not come back from the mission and accepting that as part of their job. They were willing to risk death to protect this land we hold so dear and the American people along with it. We thank them for their sacrifice and promise will carry on their legacy to ensure that they did not die in vain. Father, we pray that you strengthen and protect in all of our military personnel who are serving presently and in the future. Give them the courage to face whatever comes, protect them in battle, and help them prosper in times of peace. Watch over their families, Lord, as you watch over all of us. And today, Father, as we now continue opening your word, may your Holy Spirit teach us something. May we understand your word clearly and may it allow us to take one step closer to you and understanding the plan that you have for each of us, Father. Thank you for your word. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. I'm sorry. Will you please forgive me? Have you ever had to utter that phrase before? If you're like me, I know I've had uttered this phrase many times in life to many different people, oftentimes the same thing. I have to ask for forgiveness for the exact same thing multiple times. And what, what about this question, perhaps? It's okay. I forgive you. Have you ever had to utter that phrase before? Isn't it interesting that both are really difficult to say at times, right? Have you ever thought about this, that all of us had to, have had to encounter forgiveness in our lives before, right? That we, we've, we've had to ask people for forgiveness and we've had to extend forgiveness to people in our lives before. And I, I would believe that all of us would recognize forgiveness plays a huge part in our lives, right? As, as we're, as we're going to see today that forgiveness plays a vital part in our relationships, right? All of us have, have probably seen or been a part of the fact that sometimes relationships have ended because of no forgiveness. And we've also seen that relationships be restored and, and redeemed because of forgiveness. And so as we start to see, though, when we start to define what forgiveness is, that we start to see that the world has many different viewpoints about what forgiveness entails and, and how far it should go. And what we'll see in our parable today is that Jesus is going to talk about what forgiveness is, and he's going to set a new standard for what forgiveness is all about. And as we'll see in our bottom line today, that as God forgives us, so must we forgive others. And so, if you have a copy of the scripture today, we're going to be in Matthew chapter 18. You can also go to the New City app where it will be uploaded there. Matthew chapter 18, we're going to be in verse 21. But by way of context, I wanted to help us understand where we're at in this chapter. Matthew chapter 18 is what's known as the ecclesiastical discourse. And what we mean by that is, is that it's a discourse on the church, and, and it's called this because it speaks to the community life of the kingdom. And, and what it means, Jesus is going to talk a lot about what, what relationships within the kingdom of God look like. And so you'll notice if you have a copy of the scripture open that Matthew chapter 18 is almost all in red, assuming you have a red letter Bible, right? Matthew chapter 18 is almost all in red, which means it's pretty much all Jesus talking. There's 35 verses in, in this chapter, and 33 of those verses are Jesus speaking. The other two are questions. And last week, if you're with us, we, we looked at the first question. The, the couple of the disciples, they come to Jesus and they say, Jesus, we, we, we have a question for you. We want to know who is the greatest 
in the kingdom of heaven. And Jesus, he's so brilliant, he, he, he takes a child that was in the audience, he says, you, you want to know about greatness? Let, let me use a child as an example. And he begins to teach the disciples that greatness is centered around um, faith, childlike faith and humility. And he begins to discuss that more in depth. And uh, as he progresses throughout the chapter, Jesus begins talking about this idea of what it means to hold people accountable. He, he goes through this great little section about how we go about correcting someone who has gone through something wrong. And that is what sets up the second question in Matthew chapter 18. And that's where I want to begin today. Matthew chapter 18, verse 21. Peter comes to Jesus and he says this. Peter came to Jesus and he asked, Jesus, how often should I forgive someone? Have you ever asked that question before? <laughs> how, how much should I forgive someone, especially someone that has continued to wrong me in so many different ways? Jesus, how often should I forgive someone? You see, Peter is wrestling with something that I think we wrestle with even today, which is this idea of how far are we to extend forgiveness, right? I think about that, that common uh, phrase that we use sometimes, you know, fool me once, Shame on you, fool me twice, shame on me. I think that even connects to the idea of forgiveness, right? How, how far are we to extend forgiveness? It's interesting, in, in Peter's culture, in his upbringing, Jesus, or Peter would have understood forgiveness by way of what the Pharisees, the religious leaders would have taught. You see, the Pharisees, a group that we've talked a lot about in this parable, they actually had their own view of forgiveness. And interesting enough, the Pharisees believed that forgiveness was only to be extended two times. That was the, the culturally accepted notion that when somebody wronged you, you can forgive them twice. Three times was commendable, and you certainly could do that, but it was not expected by any means. Twice seemed to be the measure. And so here we have Peter, and he comes to Jesus and says, all right, Jesus, you've been talking to us a lot about this community life, what it means to live in relationship with others I want to ask you, Jesus, what does it mean to forgive others? How often should we forgive others? And uh, Jesus, he gives this great response because Peter, he says, you know, I, I know the Pharisees. They, they talk about two, maybe three times. And so Peter says, well, Jesus, what, what if I doubled? What if, what if I tripled that? Would that be enough? And it's interesting. Jesus gives one of his greatest lines here. He says, no. Peter, it's, it's not seven times. He says, no, it's 70 times seven. In other words, Jesus tells Peter, Peter, it's not about a number, right? Le forgiveness is not limited to any sort of, of number. There is no end to forgiveness. And once again, Jesus is going to set up a whole brand new standard for us here as he's going to throw everything culturally out the window. He's going to say, I, I know what you've been taught. I know what the Pharisees have been taught you, but I've got something, a new standard I want you to look at, that forgiveness, is there is no limit to it. But this is where it gets even better because this is what sets up our parable today. So if you have a copy of the scripture, continue reading with me. Jesus goes on in verse 23. Follow along with me. It says, therefore, the kingdom of heaven can be compared to a king who decided to bring his accounts up to date with servants who had borrowed money from him. In that process, one of his debtors was brought who owed him 10,000 talents. Verse 25, he couldn't pay, so his master ordered that he be sold along with his wife, his children, and everything he owed to pay off the debt. But 
the man fell down before his master and he begged him, please be patient with me and I will pay it all. Verse 27, then his master was filled with pity for him and he released him and forgave his debt. Have you ever been in debt? I've been in debt and I can tell you it is not a great feeling to be in and you know, as we, we understand this parable, as we start to read it, we, we see a man who's in debt, and I'm not even sure debt is the right word, because what we've learned is that a king is wanting to settle his accounts, and he realizes that one of the men that owes him money owes him a lot, right? And he, and he brings this guy forward and he says, hey, I'm calling your tab, right? And by the way, your tab is 10,000 talents. Now, what is a talent, you might ask? Well, the short answer is that a talent is a lot of money, all right? But, but as we break down what a talent is, we start to see that a talent is a lot, a lot of money because a talent this much, or in fact, 10,000 talents would have represented over 200,000 years of work, right? It, it's upwards of billions and billions of dollars. And, and essentially what Jesus is saying in here is that this amount owed is simply too much for one man to ever owe. And it's interesting, in, in the Greek culture, 10,000 was a number, that was the highest number that they would actually go to. So Jesus is, of course, he's being, he's using hyperbole here to express that this man owed an owed amount that was simply too much to ever be repaid here, Right. Jeff Bezos and Elon Musk could have come alongside this guy, sold all of their stocks in Amazon and, and in Rockets, and they wouldn't be able to help this guy. That's how much debt this guy is in. So what is his punishment, right? We see it in, in the parable here. The king decides, well, as a result, I'm going to sell you and your family, right? Even the king recognizes that this man is never going to repay, so in other words, what he decides to do is by way of punishment is he's, he's going to sell him and his family. But this is where the best part is. Again, look at verse 26 again with me. It says, but the man fell down before his master and he begged him, please be patient with me and I will pay it all. Catch verse 27. This is the key to the whole parable right here. He couldn't pay, so his master ordered me sold. And then verse 27, his master was filled with pity for him and he released him and he forgave his debt. Look at that phrase again. The master was filled with pity. This word, this phrase, by the way, filled with pity, maybe your, your translation may say filled with compassion. It's actually a really unique phrase in the original language, of course, as we've had to translate it into our modern English language. It, it kind of gets lost a little bit here, but this phrase, this word, it literally meant that one's bowels would be moved, right? That, that one's inward, their guts would be churning here. In fact, the original root word here is what we get the word spleen from. And so the, the picture here is that the, the king is moved with so much compassion and love that, that his gut begins to wrench, right? Have you ever had this, right? Have you ever had this compassion and feeling somebody, you, you've seen something they've gone through, you've witnessed something really tragic and you feel it in your gut? The ancient Greeks and the Hebrews actually believed that the gut was the seat of love and compassion. And so it's a really powerful statement here that the king is moved with so much compassion and so much grace that, that his insides literally begin to turn. And as a result, two things happen, right? The first is that the king releases the servant. He doesn't throw him in jail. And secondly, he forgives him of the debt that he owes. He completely wipes 
his slate clean. So we see two powerful characteristics of the king here, that he, is, he has both mercy and grace. But the story continues. Keep following along with me. Uh, picking back up in verse 28, it says this, But when the man left the king, he went to a fellow servant who owed him a few thousand denarii, and he grabbed him by the throat and he demanded instant payment. His fellow servant fell down before him and he begged for a little more time. Be patient for, with me and I will repay it, he pleaded. But his creditor wouldn't wait. He had the man arrested and put in prison until the debt could be paid in full. It's almost the exact same story, right? This man is, is calling his debtors to come before him. He's wanting to settle his accounts. And you would think, okay, well, based on what just happened with him, that he's going to go find the people that owe him money and say, hey, I want to tell you about what just happened to me. I know you owe me money, but I want to forgive you. And yet what we just read is that this story takes a tragic turn because not only does this man fail to forgive the debt of the man who owed him money, he actually throws him in jail and says, you're, you're going to be in jail until you can pay me off. And it's interesting, one of the, the, the only differences in this story is that we learned that the, the second guy, he only owed a few denarii, which, which is a far less amount, would have accounted to only a few thousand dollars in our time today, a, an amount that certainly could be paid off even over time. So not only is it easy to forgive, but even if he wanted the man to pay it off, it wouldn't take that long. And yet we, we read in this story that the man says, no, I'm taking you, I'm throwing you in jail, and you're going to stay there until you can pay it off. So it's, it's a tragic twist to the story, and yet verse 28 seems to tell us why, right? Look again here. Verse 28, it says, But when the man, catch this, left the king. When he left the king, right? It begs the question, would he have done this in the presence of the king? Well, I think we'd all agree that probably not, right? That if the king had been standing there watching this, there's no way that this man would have done this. But I think it actually goes deeper than that because you see, I think the reason that this man fails to forgive his fellow servant, the reason that he fails to, to cancel out his debt is because he doesn't possess the heart of the king. You see, the king, when we read about the king, ha had a heart of, of pity and compassion and grace. And, and because of that, his heart is filled with this. And, and he is moved to compassion and, and grace and forgiveness. And yet, the man is filled with pride. And as a result, he's moved to anger. Let's, let's finish with the rest of the parable here, though. Verse 31, the story continues on. Picks up, Jesus says, When some of the other servants saw this, they became very upset. They went to the king and they told him everything that had happened. Then the king called in that man he had forgiven and he said, you evil servant, I forgave you a tremendous debt because you pleaded with me. Shouldn't you have, have mercy on your fellow servant just as I had mercy on you? Then the angry king sent the man to prison to be tortured until his debt was paid off. Verse 35, that's what my heavenly father will do to you if you refuse to give brothers and sisters, catch this, from your heart. Not only does the king demonstrate forgiveness, 
right? As we saw in the first part of the parable, right? That the king very clearly demonstrates mercy and grace and forgiveness. Not only does he demonstrate that, but he expects us to do the same towards others. One is not simply to embrace forgiveness without administering it to others. And unfortunately, the man in this parable had to learn that the hard way. So we come back to the original question today. The same question that, G- that Peter asked Jesus when he says, Jesus, how often should we forgive someone? I think there's two things right off the bat that, that Jesus helps us understand in his answers and in the parable today. And the first is this, that forgiveness is not a matter of how many times. It's not limited to a number. And the second thing is that forgiveness is the product of a changed heart, that forgiveness is the product of a heart that is filled with compassion. And the only way that we can possess that same heart is through the person of Jesus. One of the things that I love so much about this parable, I think it's one of the most clear parables there is. And what, what I especially love about this parable, it, it is such a great illustration of the gospel message itself. You see, as, as we start to break this parable down, we start to see that we are just like the first man, aren't we? We have a debt that is simply too high to ever be paid off by ourselves. And that debt that you and I have is the debt of sin. The Bible teaches us that all of us have fallen short of the glory of God. All of us have sinned, and as a result, of it, we have a sin, we have a sin debt that, that is so high that there's nothing that we can ever do to ever repay it. There's no amount of money, there's no amount of good works that we can ever do, there's no amount of conversations that we can ever have. Nothing will ever be able to pay off the debt that we owe towards God of sin. And yet, just like the king of the parable, Jesus looks at you and I with that same grace, with that same compassion. He's moved to his core in the same way, so much so that he intercedes on our behalf. He steps into our place and erases our debt for us. Remember this, the debt, the sins that we have towards each other will never amount to the sins, the amount of sins that we have towards God. If you want to do a exercise this week, take a blank sheet of paper and just write out a rap sheet or my, my sins towards God and just start mapping out all the ways that you think we've fallen short of the holiness of God. I tried this earlier this week and I had to stop pretty quickly because I didn't like doing it. And yet what that reminded me of though is, is this very simple idea that, that we start to recognize how much God has demonstrated forgiveness towards us. And it's when we do that, it helps shape our perspective and our approach towards forgiving others. I heard a great line this week that, that I, I think will resonate with you this week. It says that mercy experienced will produce mercy demonstrated. In other words, when we, when we begin to adopt idea of God's forgiveness. God's forgiveness of us becomes the source of forgiveness towards others, right? It begins to shape our our perspective of how we go about entering our relationships, of how people have wronged us and what we can do about that. And so as we begin to wrap up today, let, let me close with some final thoughts and questions around this topic of forgiveness. I said at the beginning that this is a parable that one that we need to hear often But it's also one that is very convicting and yet encouraging at the same time. And let me say this. I I think the reason it's convicting, at least for me, 
is because as I think about forgiveness, right, as I think about the people in my life that have wronged me, maybe you resonate with this, is that there's times I don't want to forgive people. I think about people, the things that they've said to me. I think about how people have betrayed me in life. I think about all these different events that have happened. And if I'm perfectly honest with you, there's some that even instantly come to mind and say, I don't really want to forgive them of that. Forgiveness is hard. The pain that we experience is real sometimes. I think about even a former employee of mine, and I still to this day will think about it at times, and it's a hard thing for me to wrestle with, this idea of forgiveness. I don't want to be wronged again. Maybe that's you too, is sometimes the reason we fail to forgive is we think about, I don't want this to happen again in the future, and the best thing for me to do is just to write somebody off and to move on as a result of it. That's where I think we're this idea of forgiveness becomes really convicting is because God's saying, I know that, but I'm asking you to extend that forgiveness in the way that I've extended it to you. Here's the encouraging part, though. You see, forgiveness is not just about releasing someone of of the debt and of the wrong that they've done towards us. Forgiveness actually is a restoration piece within ourselves. And I think we even start to see that in this parable here, right? But this, this parable becomes encouraging to us because we start to see the redemptive power of forgiveness. We see how forgiveness has the ability to, to really bring forth grace and forgiveness, right? I, I, I was thinking about this week that, you know, love is the greatest thing in life, right? That that the Bible speaks so so often about God's love for us. And one of the things I realized this week is that I think love's greatest tool is forgiveness. It's not its only tool, but love's greatest tool is forgiveness. And I think it's one that that love you loves to use a lot of the times because when when we talk about forgiveness, love uses forgiveness as a way even to help draw people in to the character of God, right? That when we forgive others, we actually help point people to the forgiveness of God. In other words, love can become a tool of witness for us as we seek to bring the gospel hope into the world that forgiveness can become one of those tools that we can use to help spread the love of Jesus into our lives. And as we wrap up, let me, let me end with the, this, final, this final question, if you will, here. Biblical forgiveness is not about forgetting. It's not about never learning from our mistakes, but it is about learning to put on the heart of God and seeking forth to bring redemption. So here's here's my final question for you today is, what would the world look like with constant expressions of Christ-like forgiveness? What what would the world look like if, if even just starting with us, that we would learn to put on the heart of the king in this parable, that we would be filled with compassion and grace longing to bring about redemption and restoration in people. What would our world look like with that? And may we remember today as we seek to to carry that in our lives, may we remember our bottom line today, that just as God forgives us, may we also learn to forgive others. Would you join me in prayer as we close out today? Jesus, let me first begin by saying thank you for forgiving me. Father, I I recognize that I have fallen short of you many, many times, and I've got many more to come. 
And yet you, because you are the great king that is filled with love, you look at me and you're moved with compassion. You demonstrate that on the cross, that you went to the cross on my behalf, on our behalf, that you would die in our place, that all of our sins would be forgiven. And Father, you simply say that by believing in you, by having faith like a child, Father, that we can be forgiven of all those sins, that we enter into eternal relationship. Father, may we learn to extend that grace to others this week. Father, maybe some of us listening, we're, we're thinking about that person in our life right now, that, that person that we're struggling to forgive with. Father, may we reach into your power and your grace that, that we understand that this, this is not an issue solely of our own ability, that we're asking for you to help us do this. May you give us the heart of compassion and grace that would allow us to enter in to forgiveness of others. And Father, that, that may not mean that we go back to normal, that everything is what it was, but Father, we know the power of forgiveness that it can bring forth redemption. May you help us to know what that looks like this week. Thank you again for Jesus. And it's his name that we pray. Amen. Oh, come all ye faithful, bow before our Savior. Come let us adore one who came for us glory in the highest praise the name of Jesus our King has come oh come Thanks for worshiping with us today. For those of you who are new to New City Online, I'd love the opportunity to connect with you. Check out our connect form on the website at newcity.us connect. Now, wherever you are, would you extend your hands for a benediction as we go? May the Lord bless you and keep you. Make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. Turn his countenance to you and give you peace. Have a great week, New City.